you probably have been uh, really just painfully watching what's going on in Afghanistan right now. One of the uh, painful things for me to consider is what is going to happen to the Christian people in Afghanistan. Putting the Taliban in charge or the Taliban taking charge has some real horrible possibilities for the Christian people. I'm uh, certainly thinking about those that have helped us over there, getting those folks out, the, our American citizens. It's sad to hear about people who just went home for a vacation and got caught up in all this, and, and we you know, just are hurt and concerned over that. But what's going to happen in Afghanistan as soon as we are gone, regardless of who we take with us or not, Sharia law is going to take over. Sharia law, it regulates all human activities, it, religious and civil. And it puts it into five categories, obligatory, recommended, permitted, disliked, and forbidden. Christianity in Sharia law is forbidden. And if you are caught practicing Christianity, having a Bible, having a Bible on your phone, worshiping, talking about Jesus, uh, they kill you. There was one report of an underground church in the Christian Broadcasting Network that a whole church had been martyred. I tried to get some verification of that and wasn't able to do that. I'm not sure exactly how accurate that is, but that will indeed take place as time goes on. And so I, I'd like for us this morning to join the rest of our nation in praying for Afghanistan this morning. Praying for the hurt, the pain, and certainly praying for the Americans that are there, praying for our troops for sure, praying for the Christian people that are going to be left behind. As I read through the book of Revelation, under the throne of God are all the martyrs. And they cry out, when will our blood be avenged? And the message to them is, be patient, wait. And towards the end of the book of Revelation, we see that their blood is avenged for, but that's God's business. Our business is not to avenge. Our, our business is to pray and to love and to be people of mercy. So uh, I'd like for us to spend some time this morning praying. So if you would, if you don't mind, there's something special about corporate unified prayer. And if you would just stand and if we could just link hands across our sanctuary this morning, please just pray for this situation. I'll, I'll lead us in prayer. And I know you're not comfortable with this, but if you were in Africa today or Cambodia today, I think we're outnumbered with this. You would, you would hear everyone praying at the same time verbally. Now, a lot of people can't do that because we're not used to it. But if, if just, you're just talking with the Lord, and the Lord hears all our prayers. And not just pray silently in your heart, but let's talk with the Lord about the situation in Afghanistan. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you, Lord, recognizing, Father, that you are on your throne, that you are, you are almighty. Lord, there's no one greater than you. We know, Father, that the hurt and the pain that's going on in Afghanistan this morning, Lord, that you are aware, you know what's happening. 
Lord, we pray for our troops. We pray, Lord, that you'll protect them, help them to make good choices, and help them, Lord, to be able to rescue as many people as possible. We pray for our government. We pray, Lord, that they will see what they need to do and how they need to do it and make better choices for the well-being of people there. That, Lord, I believe that we are responsible. Please forgive us as a country, Lord. Forgive us for the fact that we have made horrible decisions in regard to precious lives. And Father, I just pray that for all the American citizens that are, are uh, you know, they're, they're stuck. They're in a bad situation, Lord. I pray that you will send your angels, send the Marines and the soldiers to them. And Lord, that you'll just bring them home safely. And Lord, for all the Christian people that are in Afghanistan today, Lord, we are so thankful that there is a strong group of believers. They're outnumbered. They're outnumbered in by the amount of Taliban-type Islamic people. And they're outnumbered, Lord, with Islam. They're outnumbered with thought. They're outnumbered, Lord, with belief. They're outnumbered, Lord. But we know that in your hands, they are not, they are not outnumbered. And Father, I... I I'm not sure exactly your plan. I don't know exactly what you're going to accomplish, but we pray, Lord, that you will protect, if that's your will, that, Lord, that you will guard them and you'll take care of them. And, Father, that you will rescue those folks, Lord. And, Lord, we just pray, Father, that, that their faithfulness to you the fact that they are going to have to live very differently than we do today. We are protected. And Lord, we can be indifferent. We can be apathetic. We can, we can be lazy when it comes to faith, Lord. But God, they, they're not today. I'm sure, Lord, that you're hearing from them. I'm sure that you're hearing passion from them. I'm sure, Lord, their prayers are lighting up heaven today in your throne room. And Lord, we just lift them up to you and we pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Lord, you told us that we need to pray for our people in trouble. And, and our brothers and sisters, people of faith, are in trouble in Afghanistan. And Lord, I, I'm afraid, Father, that as, as usual in these types of situations, your people will be overlooked by the governments. But Lord, we're thankful that you don't overlook them and you're going to take care of things. And Lord, we pray that many people be saved through this by their faithfulness to you, by the testimony, by their blood that will be shed, Lord. We pray, Father, you'll use it to bring people to know you and to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Matthew chapter 5. So verse 1 and 2, we talked about it each week. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. He had compassion for the crowds, and he separated himself from the crowds, and his disciples came to him. And of course, from these two verses, we see, verse 1, we see that to meet the needs of the crowds, Jesus was going to use his people. That's always been his plan. He calls us to a salvation experience, to walk with him, to know him. The Bible tells us that his sheep hear his voice and he pulls us together to know him so that we can make a difference in this world and we can be hope and we can be the gospel people. We can share the good news 
and and we can give people we can give people understanding that this is not all there is. And so he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, verse three, blessed. We've talked about the word blessed every Sunday. Blessed means that they have a contentment that is not dependent upon circumstances. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit means that they realize they can't save themselves. They are broken because of their sin. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is when we grieve over our sin. Verse 5, it says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek are people that have strength under control. So he's raising up believers, disciples, need to understand the ones that he wants to go and make a difference in the world, in this crowd, are people that know that they haven't been able to save themselves. They've, all they've received is grace that they grieve over the fact of their sin. They are meek. They are under control. They have been broken. It says they'll inherit the earth. And he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so God deals with his believers at the point of cravings. He, he lays out there for us, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who crave for the right things. And there's three types of righteousness we see. We see the legal righteousness, we are right with God through what Jesus has done for us at the cross. And then, of course, we have that uh, social righteousness, loving other people, being good to other people, taking care of people. By the way, I went with uh, our youth last Sunday night down to the refugee ministry taking place. Unbelievable what I saw our kids do. I mean, parents, one of the... I know that maybe on a Sunday night, you probably didn't let your kids go because school will start back and you've got to have your hours be done. What they will experience down there at school may be the best lesson they get all week long. And, and I, I just, we need to, you need to let your kids go do that. I was blown away with the level of maturity our kids showed, those, those children and the adults down there, all the refugees, different places, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Africa, all, from every part of the world, they were there. And, and how they helped those kids find a backpack, find school supplies, put on shoes, and the shoes that you gave, I mean, it was amazing. When, when a child saw uh, uh, that pair of Nikes, he would look at it, oh, and I'd look at his feet, and I'd go, ah, man, his feet are too small or too big for that Nike. I wish we'd have had all kinds of those real cool tennis shoes so they could, you know, be Mac Daddies at school. But that that's not meant to be. We gave out what we had, and they were very thankful, those kids. One child walked up and said this, I don't need shoes. We're fortunate. My parents were able to take me and buy me shoes and, and buy me school supplies, but my good friend who's not as fortunate as me is not here. Can I pick out shoes and a backpack for him? And I looked at that kid, and I went, yeah, that's awesome. That's, a, that's education right there. That needs, that's good outhouse education. That needs to happen. And so uh, what you crave, that social righteousness. But this, this here is moral righteousness, hope, joy, patience, self-control, gentleness, a fervent spirit serving the Lord, Romans 12. We need to crave having those moral righteousness that that change that happens from the inside out. We as believers 
crave that, need to crave that. And so the kind of people that Jesus is raising up to make a difference in the crowd are people that crave righteousness, that hunger and thirst after righteousness. For it says, they shall be satisfied. And now today, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Man, we all need to receive mercy. I don't imagine there's any of us here today that want what we deserve. I don't want what I deserve. By no means do I want what I deserve. I'm so thankful for mercy. Blessed, contentment that has nothing to do with circumstances. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy, of course, is like the other side of the coin of forgiveness, the other side of the coin of grace, the other side of the coin of kindness. Mercy, the definition for mercy, mercy is love, forgiveness, gentleness, grace, and action. It's when we who have been forgiven forgive others. We show them mercy. We who have been loved, love others. We show them mercy. And so mercy is letting go of ourself, dying to self, not concerned with our own needs, not concerned with our own rights, and we are selfless and we love and we forgive and we care for other people. We are to be people of mercy. We are to be people of mercy. The people that Jesus is raising up are people of mercy. If you'll look back, you'll discover as a believer that the Holy Spirit has been working in your life to bring mercy out of you, to draw it out of you. And so we've been forgiven. We've been loved. We have received grace. And the response of what we have received is that we have mercy for other people. Mercy. Now, in this day and time, just like in this day and time, in the day and time of the disciples and the time now, mercy was a foreign subject for them. Because in context, they are surrounded by Roman ways of doing, Romans ways of thinking. The Romans. The Romans believed that mercy was a disease of the soul. And so if their child is being raised and their child shows mercy, that child will be disciplined because we don't show mercy. You remember in the Karate Kid, sweep the leg? That man showed no mercy. You remember? Take care of him, show no mercy. But Miyagi's son, he would give mercy. He understood mercy. And when he, when he whipped that old boy outside the place and went to his nose, and instead of giving him a good karate chop against his face, which he deserved, by the way, he went, eh, I thought that was pretty cool. Showed him some mercy. Showed him some mercy. But the Romans did not show any mercy. And so to survive the Romans would have been very difficult. Because if you broke one of their laws, you would not receive mercy. That's a tough spot to be in. And not only are they under the, con the, the condition of the Romans, but they're under the condition of the Jewish people. And, and Jesus corrects many things that they believed in. And, and, they're, and, and when we read through the Old Testament, you, sometimes if you're not careful, you've you got to see it through context. And you've got to read the Old Testament through what Jesus had to say, just like in any difficult passages. Always look to what Jesus had to say that 
that idea of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is not good for society. You can't always have an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Perhaps you can in aspects of that. Perhaps any punishment that needs to happen needs to be in relational to what has been inflicted on people. That's probably a good idea for that, to look at that. But Jesus does not want us to be eye for eye and tooth for tooth people. Jesus does not want us getting even with other people. That's not what we're called to do. That's not how we're going to make a difference in this world. We are to be people of mercy. But, but these disciples are raised under that understanding. Eye for an eye, no mercy. And so they are surrounded by two cultures that are opposed to mercy. And there's another thing going on here that we understand today as well. I don't think there's a lot of mercy today. I think that mercy is difficult to find in our day and time. And I think that you know this by the amount of times in all your relationships that you have with people today, the, the, the few times anyone has walked up to you and said, please forgive me. I'm sorry for what I did. Please, will you give me mercy, right? There's not a lot of forgiveness being spoken out there today. It's a difficult world that we live in. But also, another real difficult thing for the disciples to hear, blessed are the merciful, for they receive mercy, is that flesh. You got Peter in the bunch. I don't know what kind of manager Peter was on his boat, but I envision him being pretty rough. And when you miss the catch or you didn't mend the nets, you didn't take care of business, I imagine he was pretty hard on the guys that worked with him. He was a hard man. Fishermen are hard people. I mean, they're rough. They're tough. They're, they're, their hands are just, you know, massive and strong and, and calloused over. And, and many times the heart, I imagine, the same way. A difficult life, a hard life being a fisherman out there on the Sea of Galilee. And I can imagine that when they heard these words, they cringed. You might be cringing today hearing these words. For men here today especially, because we're not as tender as our lovely wives, right? We're not as compassionate as our wives, as our female partners in here today. Oh, mercy. No, 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 no. Not mercy. I don't want my kid growing up with a lot of mercy. I don't want people around me to be loving and caring and unforgiving. I mean, be forgiving. I mean, we got to be tough. We got to be strong. We got to be manly. And I'm sure that these disciples are no different. And so that tells me that Jesus saying, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, that Jesus is calling us to be different. He's calling on us to be different than society. Most people were not merciful in the day of the disciples when Christ was on this world. And, and most people in our day and time are not merciful in treating other people. We're all out for ourselves, I think, is the way it is today. So we've got to be okay with being different and I think that we've got to understand the importance of being different, the value of being different, and the benefits of being different. I, I want to do something today that is not like me, but, but uh, I've gotten kind of on a kick here reading poems. And I've enjoyed trying to figure out what they mean. But one of my favorite poems is The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. Listen to these words. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. 
and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear <clears throat> though as for that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, it leaves no step, had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way. Boy, that's true, isn't it? Way leads on to way. I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. A choice, a fork, two roads out there in the woods. One of the paths was smooth worn. Most people have taken that path. But in this poem, Robert Frost talks about he chose the one less traveled, the one where the grassy was all over, the leaves were all built up. And he talked about the choice that he made. Perhaps he'd be able to go back and take the other road one day, but he says that's probably not going to happen. But he comes to the conclusion and says, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I think that captures the heart of the Beatitudes here. When you can consider the, the, the people that Jesus is talking to, the disciples, when, when he's talking about what they're going to become, what they're going to be, what they're going to experience, they are going to be completely different than other people. And they've got to be willing to travel the least traffic road the one less traveled by. Being different makes all the difference. We're called on to be different. You may have heard the story that happened in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania years ago. I believe it was in, in 2005 or six. A man by the name of Charles Roberts was tormented by the nine uh, previous years of the premature death of his young daughter. He never, he never forgave God for her death. And he was so twisted and so in pain and, and, and so resentful that he randomly chose an Amish school to get even. And he took his gun into the Amish school and that morning killed 10 Amish girls in that school. The Amish people, when they heard about what happened, of course, they rushed to the scene, and I'm sure they were wondering, was it our daughter? Is our daughter there? And, and, and 10 families lost their children that morning. And an interesting thing happened in that Amish community that day. The Amish almost immediately rallied together and went to Charles Roberts' home and spoke with his wife and forgave her and forgave her husband 
for taking their girls that morning. And they stationed themselves out there around that house for several days to protect her. At the funeral for Charles Roberts, there were more people in attendance from the Amish community than there were from the non-Amish community. That's mercy. That's mercy. Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. That's a great story. I, I, I encourage you to read about Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. They were assigned to be missionaries in Ecuador. And in Ecuador, there was a group of Indians that had not been reached with the good news. They were pilots, and, and five men, five missionaries, got into the plane, and they flew to where the last known location for this Indian tribe was, and they landed. They're not there very long, and this tribe of, of Ecuadorian Indians, the Akas, they killed all five missionaries. Just killed them, because that's what they did. They were white people, they were foreigners, and, and they treated them like an enemy, like they didn't understand why they were there. There were some interesting things that the Holy Spirit did to, to get a hold of these men, these cannibals, these Aka Indians, and, and to communicate to them. But the crazy thing is, Elizabeth Elliot, two years later, goes and finds those Indians and not only risks her life to try to spark a gospel dialogue with these people, but she learned their language because she lived with them for two years. She gave them. She showed mercy to them. And, and that was what opened up the hearts of those Indians to the good news about Jesus. It's because they killed her husband. And she went back in mercy with love. You've heard Amy talk about Evelyn in Uganda a lot. It's amazing what happens in the kingdom of God when his children show great mercy. Evelyn grew up in a small village in eastern Uganda. Her father got a second wife, is common there in Africa. And that wife, who was Evelyn's stepmom, started treating all the kids very badly, all the children from the first mom, the first wife, the father would be off working. Her dad would be off working her money to send back to the village. And, and the money was supposed to pay for food and for school for all the kids. But Evelyn's stepmom would steal it and they would have to stay home. They couldn't go to school. So often they wouldn't have food. One day the stepmom sent Evelyn to the market for some fruit. On our way back to the village from, from town to get the fruit, Evelyn was abducted. And, and no one could find her for two years. Her stepmom had arranged that. She arranged for a man who was much older than Evelyn to kidnap her, to take her in, and, and make her his wife. Evelyn was beat by this man. Evelyn was mistreated by this man. And, and it was a horrible, horrible situation for her. She had two kids with this man, and eventually, as time went on, she found a way to escape, and she took those two kids, and she fled to Kampala, 
and she found herself in the village in which they live today. The village which Elizabeth Voice is building the compound and building the homes and the apartments now for uh, ladies who are in a bad way. And where the business is now, where Evelyn met Amy at Chili's Motel and they, the connection started and, and been a crazy thing for her for the last five years. But up to that point, she could barely make a living. But she had to escape this man. And in the process of getting people employed, these women employed and taking care of them, they had a heart to go back to this rural village where Evelyn was from and, and help the ladies there because the ladies there are often in this same kind of situation. And obviously Evelyn has a real heart for these ladies in this situation. And so they were going to hire five ladies to help make the bracelets and the necklaces and all the things that they make to sell here. And one of the women that Evelyn chose to hire was that stepmom. When she found her stepmom, she was wasting away from starvation and being addicted to alcohol. And Evelyn forgave her and provided her an opportunity with seeing that have every right to look the other way. That's mercy. That's mercy. Mercy does not get even. Mercy does not get ahead. Mercy does not make people pay the price. Mercy forgives. We are to be merciful people. We are called to be people of mercy. I trust the Holy Spirit's at work right now. The Holy Spirit is calling you to have mercy. He's calling you, he's showing you that you need to not resist the work of the Holy Spirit, not to quench the Holy Spirit. And, and he is speaking to you very clearly about acts of mercy that need to be taking place around you and in your life. Now, we do not have to have each one of these I read today these are huge acts of mercy, aren't they? I mean, the Amish people, that's unbelievable. I hope we never have to do that. You know, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot, that's just crazy. That's just, that's tremendous act of mercy there. I hope we never, none of us here, ever have to make that kind of mercy, give that kind of mercy. And certainly with Evelyn, I would not ever think that I need to, I would not want to trade places with her. But yet, all of us need to be merciful every day in our lives. And so the Holy Spirit may be touching you right now, speaking to you right now, and, and working in your life. And, and maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, today's the day you start being patient with difficult people. You see, growing in patience is mercy. And you must admit, as the Holy Spirit convicts you, that you have been impatient with difficult people. You don't have any toleration for difficult people. And if you are going to be a merciful believer and, and be the kind of believer that Jesus is building in you, then you need to be patient with difficult people. Maybe the, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now and, and, and is working in this way. You need to help the people you know are hurting. I mean, where in the world will we start? We start with the ones that we know are hurting. Who do you know that's hurting? Go and show mercy. They may be hurting for all kinds of reasons. 
go and show mercy, what might that be? It may be meeting a need. It may be listening. It might be going out for a banana split, right? And just sitting down and talking. It may be taking care of children for a single mom. It may be rescuing someone from some situation. It may be fixing something if you're handy with tools and things like that. But just to show mercy to someone that's hurting, just to care, to go outside of our comfort zone, to go outside of our rhythm of activities, just to go outside of the norm and, and just show that we care about people. There's no way in the world we're ever going to be able to be the gospel people that Jesus wants us to be until we begin to go outside the rhythms of our own life and be merciful to people. Help the people you know are hurting. Start right there. You kids have gone to school, 10 years have gone to school, listen to me. Look around every classroom you got and there's someone there in that classroom that didn't have any friends. At lunch, they sit all by themselves. In the classroom, you just look around, they're, they're not having a bunch of friends talk with them. You be their friend. Don't allow, just have this mindset. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful so they, receive, they will receive mercy. When I go to eat lunch, no one in that cafeteria is going to sit by themselves because I'm there. And so what are you going to do? You're going to take your tray, you're going to walk through there, and you're going to look around, and you're not saying, all my friends are here, I'm going to go sit with them. You look around that cafeteria, and you find the kid who's all by themselves, and that's where you go sit. You walk up to the table and say, may I sit with you? And if they say no, say thanks. And sit right on down. What's your name? Oh, my name's Junior Samples. Really, where you live? BR549, Route 2, you know? That's where I live. Help the people you know are hurting. Start right there. Give people second chances. Maybe there's somebody in your life that needs a second chance. Give people second chances. Do good to those who have hurt you. Somebody has hurt you and you hadn't talked to them in a long time. They hurt you. Do good to people that hurt you. Go out of your way to do good to people that have hurt you. But they, it was horrible, and I know it. People can say some real unkind things. But what they tried to do to me at work was just, it was wrong. Yep, people do wrong things at work. But what are we called on? We are called on to be different. We are called on to make a stand for Christ. We are called on to be people that show that we are concerned far more than what's happened to us. Do good to those who hurt you. Be decent and kind to those that have disagreed with you. Oh, we don't have much room for people to disagree with us anymore. Show mercy. I mean, if someone's disagreed with you at work, you sit by them at, at lunch. Take them out. Take them out for that banana split. Value people over rules. Value people over rules. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We all need mercy. So be merciful.
be different. Be like Jesus wants us to be. Father, we love you. We praise your name today. May we follow through with what you've told us today. May your spirit guide us and lead us. In Jesus' name, amen.